God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, I come this morning saying thank you for your mercy, your love, and your grace. Thank you for your miracles. Thank you for covering us from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. Lord, this day we ask for a special blessing for all who are grieving due to the loss and sadness of the death of a loved one. Hear our cry, dear Lord. Hear our cry. Lord, we call upon you for your guidance, your direction, your protection, and your Holy Spirit that gives us great wisdom. Oh, dear Lord, move me behind the cross and allow the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be ever so sweet, gracious and loving God. Nurture us through your words. Teach us to accept your freedom. Release us from any fear, hurt, harm, or danger. And grant that the forgiveness we need to live with the peace that sustains us be granted to us this day, this hour. And let us know that your love and your grace is enough. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. you may be seated. Thank you. It has been an awesome Fantastic, blessed, challenging, special week. Some weeks are easier than others and some weeks are tougher than others, but all weeks are grateful weeks. You have heard me on various occasions speak of Lakeview. And there's only a few spots in Lakeview that you can get a signal. But it's good to know that even when the signal doesn't come, that God is still in the business of touching our hearts and our souls and our minds. So if this sermon had to have a title, it simply would be called After the Touch. Everybody seeks a warm touch from the Lord. Everybody at some point, if we're honest with ourselves, we seek a healing touch from the Lord. I had an opportunity to speak with many this past week on various different situations. Maybe it was a child in the cafeteria that was passing me by, and I simply reach out and touch them to say, where are you going? Oh, I've got to go with my group. Please don't make me miss my group. I will talk with you later. They wanted a fast touch. They wanted a touch that was on the go. The touch that kind of says, God is allowing me to have so much fun. Please don't get in my way. And if the truth be told, some of them said, if she don't see me, I don't see her, and I don't have to talk to her because I'm headed to the pool. My group is going to the pool. My group is going to the jungle gym. My group is going somewhere else. 
I can't talk with you, let alone have time for you to touch me. Others, when I finally found a signal and all were gone to bed, for you see in senior high camp the day begins and ends almost in the same breath. I've never seen 24 hours go as fast as it has with at least, and my prayer on a day-to-day basis was, please multiply my sleep. For you see, I started at 6 and ended at 12 or so midnight, and they were always hanging on to that last little touch. For you see, in senior high, we have to remind our students to keep their hands to themselves. They taught me a few things. They said, the name of it is, is no PDAs. I said, okay, school me. What's a PDA? And they said, oh, Pastor King, that's public display of affection. I said, have mercy. I almost said, send me back to the little kids camp real quick. But I realized that when you get to a certain point in life, even though God touches us all the time, we have to be mindful of how we touch one another. The other blessing that I will say to you, after the touch that we all want from God, we get the miracle because we believe the touch is powerful. We get the miracle and receive the miracle because the touch is a touch from God. We get the miracle and receive the miracle and understand the touch of healing because Jesus makes it real. I had an opportunity to speak with Mr. Bro and he indicated that I could share this story, Ms. Bro. I got permission. But he had a chance to have some tests not long ago. And they went on to explain to him that he was going to have to have a procedure. Well, the same Sunday that Mr. Mitchell and the church extended the healing touch prayer, he came up and he said, I want God to touch me too. But he followed through, went to the doctor anyhow. They ran the test again and said, that blockage is gone. We don't have to do that anymore. And he never said, are you sure? He simply said, thanks be to God. (laughs) For you see, there's times when we don't see the evidence of the touch, but the touch is yet still there. So there is life after the touch. There is a special touch of God, but there's a touch for each and every one of us. So as we begin to move through this sermon, I invite you to look at your neighbor and say, ain't God good? Life after the touch. What is your life after you've been touched by God? What does life look like when God has come down and ascended into your situation ever so special, knowing that there's millions and millions and millions of people everywhere? And you may say, well, I haven't allowed God yet to touch me because I'm still handling a few things myself. Well, believe it or not, 
if we look at Psalm 130, Psalm 130 reminds that we are to call out and cry out to God for all things and anything. It says that we should be ready to accept who God is, but the reality that there will be heartache in our lives. Some of the calls I made this week were the fact that families were grieving and that the touch that they were experiencing was sadness due to death. I have to believe there's sometimes sadness due to the loss of a job, a friend, or even disappointment, or even illness when we don't expect to be sick, or crushed dreams when we thought it would go another way, or anguish because a friend of ours who has lived in our town forever and ever is moving away, and even anguish when someone moves back to the town and has to say goodbye to the place they have been. Life after the touch simply says through that scripture that we can cry out to God. I'm not going to ask you to ask your neighbor, have you ever cried out to God? I'm not going to ask you, did you tell somebody I've been crying lately? I'm not even going to ask you to say, let me tell you about my sad story. But I'm going to tell you about the fact that our tears are tears of cleansing. Our tears are time of lament. Our tears give us moments, whether we're male or female, young or old, small or large, child or adult, small bits of faith, huge years of faith, regardless of what, we can cry out to God. Life after the touch says he hears our cry. That's good news. That is good news because even if you don't have any more cell phone minutes, Even if you don't have any more telephone minutes, even if everybody has decided to look at the call ID and say, I'm not answering that call from that girl or that guy today, God allows us to touch and be touched at any hour, any day, any moment, and any place. It's good to know we can cry out to the Lord. And he has no judgment, has no contention with us. He is standing there waiting to receive our 411, our 911, our 211, any type of call. For he said we could cry out to him and he would hear our cry. The scripture we didn't read in the Old Testament was the story of, in Second Samuel that really highlights the fact that there is death in a town. And that Saul and Jonathan have died and that King David knows that their deaths are difficult for the people to accept. But God allows them to cry out and say unto them that grief is real. So I say to any family that may be grieving the immediate death of a loved one or the anniversary death of a loved one or someone near and dear, but the passing of our loved one. There's life after we've been touched. God will wipe away the tears, for weeping may enjoy for a night. Endure for night, but joy will come in the morning. It may sound trite, it may sound, you don't understand how it is. 
My life will be empty without that person. You don't understand. Well, I've got to believe that King David felt the same way about Jonathan because Jonathan and King David had a relationship that most people didn't understand. But when Jonathan passed, David struggled. The public acts of lament for both Jonathan and Saul in 2 Samuel are detailed, but they hurt because a loved one has passed. Sometimes the most difficult part of my calling is to help people remember that our faith can restore our lives if we believe that we can be touched by God, if we believe that we can receive the touch of God, if we believe that we know the touch is a healing touch. But, Pastor, you're confusing me. How can you say healing and grief and death in the same sentence? Well, I'm glad that you asked. God knows the hour, the moment, and the day. He knows the number of hairs upon our head and the gifts and graces and the time that we are to spend on this, his earth. Our sadness is that we won't see that person anymore in the same way that we saw them. We will not experience their laughter in the same way we experience. We will not see them and they will not see us in the same moments in time. And our life will be challenged because they're not yet here anymore. For God has neither left us nor forsaken us. He hears our cry, and there is life after the touch. But my heart hurts. God is able to dry the tears. But my sadness is real. God is able to talk with us and walk with us and be with us and carry us through and answer the question, Why now, Lord? I'm not ready for what just happened, King Jesus. Don't quit before the miracle happens. But you see, in the book of Mark, the stories, the miraculous stories of healing are both two stories back to back, parallel parables that are wrapped around one another about life and breath and death of being able to wait upon the Lord. So you see, the woman had had 12 long years, 12 long years of being seen in a community as a person who was unclean, for she was bleeding and she could not go into the synagogue. She was bleeding and she could not receive the power from the priest. She was bleeding and she could not go into the public places. She had exhausted all her money. If you can imagine, she had an HMO, a PPO, that had exceeded all of the deductions. She had visited everybody she possibly could, and they told her the same thing. Deal with it, girl. I don't have anything that can heal you. And she was happened to be in the town, and the town she heard, the two of us, me and you, you and me, we were at Walmart, and we said, have you heard about King Jesus? I heard he can heal. And she leaned over and just said, 
I don't mean to eavesdrop on your conversation, but who is this Jesus? Who is this one that can heal? Because see, I've tried it all. I've been every place. I've done all the things. But who is? Can I just sneak up on him and let him touch me? Or better yet, can I sneak up on him and I just touch his garment? Can I get close to him and get a little healing touch? For it had been 12 years that she hadn't been out in the public. So the fact that she went out in the public was an act of faith because she knew that the world at that point, the situations thereof, they could not allow her to be out in the public. But the law restricted her actions and just the fact that she snuck out to sneak up on Jesus, to get a little touch, said that she didn't want nobody to know she was out there. But she risked it all to get the healing. So you see, life after the touch for her was that Jesus said, because of your faith, you're healed. Because of the situation, because of the circumstances, because of the risk that you've taken, you are healed. So life after that touch was the fact that her whole life after 12 years was renewed and restored. Something she had not experienced 12 years. She could now see the flowers, the trees, the seasons, the people, the children, her grandchildren, her people, her cousins, and just the mere sunshine in the middle of the day. And the number of years that she had been sick were the number of years that Jairus' daughter was the age. She had been sick for 12 years, and Jairus' daughter was 12 years old. And the people were already standing outside of Jairus' house. And you may say, well, who is Jairus? Jairus would be like the highest-ranking officer in this city. And if his child died, all people would be on notice. The hospital was on notice. The upper class was on notice. Everybody was on notice. And they said to him, why did you even bother to ask that man? So you see, Jairus believed the touch would make a difference. Jairus believed his daughter could come back to life. Jairus believed that his daughter could be healed. But Jairus was a little skeptical, so he kind of eased up on Jesus. He kind of walked up and said, hey, Jesus, when you get a chance, could you come by my house? My daughter's already sick. It looks like she's getting ready to die, and if you come right now, she'll be healed. But Jesus got hung up on the road and met the woman, and the woman touched him. And right then and there, he said, who touched me? And the good disciples said, come on, Jesus, come on. There's a lot of people out here. You want us to search out who touched you? Come on, Jesus. He said, the power has left me. Somebody touched my garment. Now remember I said this woman was a woman that had been unclean. A woman that was a woman that had an issue of blood. She could not walk the streets or be out in the public. And yet and still when she realized that somebody knew that she had touched Jesus and it was Jesus who knew that he had been touched. His power had escaped his garment. And he said, somebody touch me and I need to know who it is. And she simply said, let me tell the truth, shame the devil, I'm going about my business. It was me. She didn't hold back. She didn't say it was the kids, the cats, the dogs, my neighbor, my friend up the street. I don't know. You know, I love this. When, when a kid gets caught, they say, what happened? I don't know. 
I, I tell you, if I could have just made sure at some point in my life that I had a nickel for every, I don't know. I might have been rich by now because that's our common thing when we get caught. But it's not children that just say, I don't know. Adults would say, oh, it wasn't me. Don't put that on me. I didn't touch you. I don't know you like that, and you don't know me like that, so I don't worry about you. But she told the truth. And in her truth, she indicated that she believed. And because she believed, she didn't ask the question, why me, Lord? Why have I bled for 12 years? Why me, Lord, could not someone heal me before now? Why me, Lord? All she simply did was say, thank you, Lord. He didn't blame her. He didn't shame her. He didn't put her in check. He simply said, your faith has made you whole. There's somebody out here who is struggling with something and needs to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. I invite you to go in your prayer closet. I invite you to go wherever you meet Jesus. I invite you to go near and far, far and near, and allow Jesus to step into your life and change who you are through a mere touch. I invite you to allow yourself to realize that the, the, the early faith of a young child, as Mr. Bonnie said, our faith is yet young. We need to believe in that way that is just so youthful and childlike that what God says is real. That there's a believability in our hearts that says, God said it and that's enough. We need to recognize that His touch is a healing touch. His touch is a powerful touch. His touch is a forgiving touch. His touch is a merciful touch. And His touch will make the difference. Today on First Sunday... The Sunday where we lift up the meal. Where we lift up our communion stewards and stewardess who will come. They've set a great table. Where Miss Cynthia Mosley and all the others who prepared yesterday and today have prayed. Come together that we may have this meal. This meal of forgiveness. This meal of great miraculous power. Will you let God touch you and heal your lips? Will you allow God to touch you and heal your heart? Will you allow God to speak to your being and make you anew? Life after the touch is awesome. Life before the touch can be scary because even when we believe sometimes we're not sure so I simply repeat what is in verse 34 your faith has healed you go in peace and be free from your suffering if it's a job situation that is holding you hostage let God touch you. Have faith and go free. If it's a household situation, 
if it's a family situation, if it's a situation that you have struggled back and forth, back and forth with something in your life, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's sin, whether it's sex, whatever it is. If it's keeping you from Jesus and you are struggling with reaching out and touching him, I say to you today, take the risk. Life after being touched is an awesome experience. And if you're simply saying, I don't have any problems, he can touch me all day long. As Mr. Mitchell says, I believe. I sure must believe. Then take a page out of their book and risk it all and let Jesus touch you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ yet, if you don't have a home to walk out your faith journey, this is a good place to let your soul's salvation be nurtured. For God is in the blessing business, He's in the miracle making business, and He's in the touching business. So I ask you to stand, reach out and touch one another and say, life after is a good thing. The doors of the church are open. Will you stand and we will sing 367 in-